1: What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Early Edge College Football Preview Show, week 13 edition. I'm your host, Alan Bell, and we've got a great show lined up for you today. And I'll tell you what, let's not waste any time. Let's bring in the stars of the show. And look at the boys looking glorious. Guys, let's go ahead and pull up our recap from last week. A six and eight eight week, but you know what? It's okay. All right, we're sitting 56.7% against the spread. Last week was a tough one because, obviously, we have rivalry week here and a lot of things going on that we discussed during that show. So, honestly, not a bad week at all, and we got it all lined up for this one. So, Chip Patterson, how we doing, buddy?
2: We're good. Uh, Tom and I were texting at the very beginning of Ohio State. Michigan State that if you're going to be wrong, it's great to be hilariously wrong early, (laughs) that you can just, like, (laughs) uh, instantly wash it away. You're not sweating it out. like, And holding Michigan 19-and-a-half – that's what that was it was the best way to lose you know you're just on with your day and, and you can just move it from the emotional radar you
1: know what you're exactly right and, and I'll give you the comparison uh in the NFL one of my picks was the Bills minus seven uh, dude in the first quarter is like Colts 30 to nothing I was like well we're <laughs> done with this one like I don't have to worry about that anymore so I definitely agree with you Michael Roberts how we doing man
0: we're doing great this is one of my favorite weekends of the year Outside of being in the sports book, see in the sports book, it's one of the worst weekends because everybody always has favorite and over on Thursday NFL. All that stuff carries over into Thursday night games, the Friday games, parlays cashing. Saturday, same thing, parlays cashing, and then the big jackpot ready to hit on Sunday if they just hit half of the games they like. This is a risk nightmare for sports books. Good luck with that. I'm on this side now.
1: <laughs> it's a good place to be, Tom Ferdale, How we doing, my man?
3: I'm good. I'm in a different position than where I normally am when we do this show because there's not often a lot of sports activity on Wednesday afternoon. So for the first time, I think this year, as we sit here, I am currently sweating three different bets.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's how you want to go into any holiday, man. Sweating mm-hmm. already. Like the food sweats are going to come tomorrow, but you go ahead and get a, uh, an initial start on that one. Uh, let's jump into the storylines that affect the betting lines for this week. And Tom, I'll start with you. Uh, we got some teams that are on quit watch, man. Break us down.
3: Yeah, I think that when you get to this point of the season, that is something that you have to consider when handicapping a game that you don't really have to consider early in the year. And, you know, spoiler alert, it's going to impact a couple of my plays on the show today and impacted a couple of my plays last week. And it's been working for me for a while because these are, you know, at the end of the day, they're college kids, but they're also still mostly teenagers. And there's a lot of stuff going on in a lot of these teams. There's really not a whole lot to play for on Saturday. So it's human nature to be in a position where, you don't really care that much, like especially if you get down early. You have to be aware of a team that is going to just say, "Screw it! What what the heck's the point at this point?" So, yeah, it's it's something I've had my eye on the last couple of weeks, and it's something I'll have my eye on again today.
1: Well, I can't wait to hear the picks in regards to that, Micah. Talk to us about. The uh, I believe you said odds for the uh, to make the college football playoff,
0: correct? Yes. Yes. And it's interesting now, of course, with Cincinnati in there, we'll talk about that more with the Oklahoma State game uh, ramifications. Who's going in? Who's not? But Circus Sports put up a yes, no prop on all the teams that have a chance to make it, starting with Georgia at minus forty dollars. Uh, but then it goes into Alabama, a dollar thirty. Ohio State minus two twenty Cincinnati, yes, minus 20. Um, so uh, some things, if they just run it out, maybe, who knows? This is where Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, they're playing there. Big 12 comes into play. Uh, Oklahoma State, 4-1. to Michigan, 4-1. to Notre Dame, plus 240. I uh, found that interesting. And who's the other one here? We have another one, plus the $2.40. And um, yeah, so... I, I think it looks like it's set right here, but there's a lot to go on, I think, with Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. They're going to bring up schedules, strengths of schedule, stuff like that. And I just keep <sighs> Cincinnati. Are they going to get screwed or not, guys? I mean, what do you
3: think? I, I think they very well could be. But I also, like, I think the fact that they're in the top four, is a good sign for their chances uh-huh. because I've been arguing all season long on the show on our cover three podcast when we talk about this stuff. The committee didn't want to put Cincinnati in the top four because then if it does, it has to justify removing them if they yeah. decide to do that. So the fact that they've put them in there, I think, says that Cincinnati's going to got a good chance of getting in as long as it wins out. And that way, if they lose, then they'll take them out, and then that'll be the only excuse they need.
0: So, so we won't have anything where somebody's saying, Well, they were four and zero against uh, ranked teams. Uh, Cincinnati, might, I mean, only one strength of schedule. They're, they're never, Cincinnati's never going to want a strength of schedule
3: argument. No, but I, I think that if you're a Cincinnati fan, you kind of have to live in fear of either Oklahoma or Oklahoma State winning out and then Alabama beating Georgia yeah. in the SEC title game.
2: Um, Y'all, Cincinnati might lose. It so might throw that out there. Like, yeah. So okay. So real quick, like who they have, uh, Houston. East Carolina this in, week and Houston.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, man. You know, Tom, you bring up a good point in regards the to uh-huh.
2: that SEC yeah. championship
1: game, that SEC championship game, dude, that, that could affect some guys. Yeah. I'm with you. And you know what? I'll tell you what, Chip, I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw it to you, man. We've got just a lot of craziness all over the board in terms of what we were just talking about with that, in terms of we've got Florida and LSU. LSU might be hiring a coach this week. Like, we've got plane tracking season. We've got all of it going on, man. Clean it up for us. What do we got?
2: Yeah, it's just when we're talking about storylines that affect the betting lines, I, I think often about how the the average better the market or just the different ways that narratives can play into uh, the way that we are looking at and betting on some of these teams. You know, there's the interim coach situation going on all over the country. I mean, USC could get thumped by BYU because USC might just be like, ah, why? And BYU would love to be able to hang a big number on USC for recruiting for just sort of general brand awareness Of what they got going on there. Uh, Lots, I mean, lots of stuff. You got coaches that might be on the move. What's SMU going to do when it seems like everyone knows that Sonny Dykes is going to be the next TCU head coach? A lot of intangibles uh, baked into some of these lines, at least based on how uh, people are betting them. Yeah, and not like we didn't already have enough drama going on, right? Like we've got this so much. This
1: college football season has been crazy. And uh, did
2: I just give you like three stories you hadn't even thought of?
1: Oh my God, yes! <laughs> Dude, like we could go, we could go the full hour of just talking about that, right? Like no picks whatsoever. But I'll tell you what, we will jump into the picks and let's get in our official place here. And I'll tell you what, Chip, I'm gonna start with you, buddy. You like East Carolina plus fourteen and a half against Cincinnati?
2: I I'm saying it's really really tough for Cincinnati to be able to finish the job here. I mean, it's got to be exhausting. I consider the uh, 2014 Florida State. We'll call it the 2014 Florida State Theory. They go undefeated. They're incredible in 2013. Jameis wins the Heisman. They set all kinds of records uh, at the time in terms of the way they were just beating up on people. They come back the next year, undefeated regular season, but every game is just a pain. They're like laboring their way to continue to beat these opponents and I f- see some of that in the way that Cincinnati kind of labored its way through the middle stretch of the season. And I'm just considering that ECU playing with a lot of momentum and as much confidence as they've had under Mike Houston, it's a dangerous, dangerous little spot on a Friday. If you give me 14 and a hook, that's a favorable number. Yeah,
1: you know,
3: and that, that, go ahead, Tom, go ahead. Yeah, just to go further too, like, like you're saying, like we've talked about this on cover three, like this Cincinnati team is good. Nobody, nobody here is going to, you know, argue against that. I think last year's Cincinnati team was better
2: oh that's a very fair statement I agree
3: and the irony is like last year's Cincinnati team never had a chance of getting to the playoff whereas this is the year the team that is going to get to the playoff and maybe it gets there undefeated and it's not as good as last year so like I feel like last year's team would have had a much better shot of doing damage in the playoff should it get there than this year's will they
0: barely lost to to Georgia in the bowl game right I mean it was they, they covered yeah
1: so, uh, question, uh, and I don't. I wish I had the schedule in front of me. Is this the third straight week that Cincinnati's played on like a Thursday or Friday? I, this is the second straight oh, week they played on a.
2: They've on been Friday. in. They've had some Saturday like afternoon specials. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right, all right. All right. Yeah. And I definitely don't want to confuse the audience, but I I, I feel like they've had a lot of. You know, Thursday, Friday type games. But again,
3: life in the group of five, baby.
1: Yeah,
2: that's, that's the American <laughs> Athletic Conference special. Much love to uh, Michael Esco.
1: <laughs> there we go. All right, Tom, coming to you. You like Illinois minus six and a half at home against Northwestern. Bring it up.
3: Yeah, this is not just a homer play, although there is very much a homer aspect to it because as an Illini fan, one of like the 20 Illini people out there that actually care about the football team, I am really really desperate to see the season finally end with a win over Northwestern because it just doesn't happen often enough. But I think this season it is going to happen because this is a Northwestern team that is just bad. Like in previous years, you've had Northwestern be terrible on offense, but really good on defense and a real pain in the butt to get past and they would beat you 13 to 10. Well, this year, Northwestern is still terrible on offense, But it's also terrible on defense, particularly against the run, which is what Illinois specializes in. It's really the one aspect of this Illini offense that has been effective from start to finish this season. They have a stable of running backs that they rely on, and they're not afraid to run the ball. And I think that the Illini, in this matchup with their offensive line against this Northwestern defensive front, they're going to push them around a bit. They're going to be able to run the ball on them and move up and down the field and also control the clock. And I just think that defensively, this is also an Illinois team that over the last half of the season has been fantastic. And I don't think Northwestern can do much of anything against it. So if this thing is under a touchdown, I'm, I'm definitely on Illinois. I honestly think this should be closer to 10 than 7.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Micah, coming to you, buddy, going up to the Mac here, you like Eastern Michigan plus nine at Central Michigan.
0: Yeah, and this is even though Central Michigan has taken over as a top-rated team in the MAC. Uh, Western Michigan, uh, big game, played like they were supposed to play, but they had this lull where they lost four or five games. did not look good at all. The offense wasn't going, and then sure enough, uh, a couple nights ago they came out of it. But both of these teams beat Western Michigan when they were on the slide. And Eastern Michigan, I've been playing them a lot over the last month, went three and one against the spread, won three of the four. Ben Bryant has uh become really good and uh, effective and they had a big win against Western Michigan last week came from behind they were way down uh the running back uh, Hamilton he had his best game is that his name uh yeah Jawan Hamilton 170 yards impressive best game of the season they have things working a lot better so the progression from them over the beginning of the season to where they're at now 7 and 4 this is a meaningless game by the way northern illinois has things wrapped up in the west but this is uh I just see a progression with Eastern Michigan. And there was, it started with the win over Toledo. They were getting nine on the road. This is kind of a similar situation here. So I just see too many things pointing, even though central Michigan has won and covered and blown out their last three competitors. I think Eastern Michigan has a real good shot to win outright. So I took the points.
1: There we go. Chip, i back to you. So Dan Mullen is gone at Florida. No more, no Moss. You like the Florida State, Florida under 59 here.
2: Yeah, um, and I got to give a shout-out to Bud Elliott from the uh, the Cover 3 podcast. This is unique here on the holiday season. We had to record our show a day early. So, you know, normally I'm able to, you know, soak up the vibes here and then de- deliver uh, <laughs> Cover 3 Thursday. So, he, I took Florida State, and then he explained his Florida, Florida State under, and I ended up saying that's the better play. Like, Florida State could cover, as I'm predicting, but we look at both of these offensive lines and they're just they got nothing for uh, for what we're going to see from the opposing defensive lines. Neither offense is going to be able to move the ball very well. And uh, I just think that even as you're just sitting there and running the football and just trying to play tough rivalry game stuff just ends up with a lot of punting. Um, very, uh, you know, I see this decided. I mean, we could see like a 2117 type game here. So uh, I love taking the under.
1: That's a good play, and especially when you talk about a defensive line on both sides that is going to have their way with both offensive lines. Yeah.
2: And the quarterback play for both teams is suspect.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think we could say that this entire game is suspect. But, yeah, I'm with you on that. No, that's a good call. All right, Tom, coming back to you. Southern Miss minus 10 at home against Florida International.
3: Quit watch, baby. It's it's not even watch anymore. It's Florida international quit. They quit a few weeks ago. This is a team that started the season with a win over, uh, the majestic long Island university Uh and has lost 10 straight since the athletic director has been fired. Butch Davis will be leaving at the end of the season. And Butch Davis last week, after he found out he was going to be leaving at the end of the season, Publicly talked about how the program had been sabotaged by those in charge at the school. So, you know, he's not in a great place mentally. (laughs) And then he shows up at their game last week in which we faded the Panthers and won easily with North Texas, but he showed up to the game, not wearing any FIU gear. He was wearing like a Navy sweatshirt and a Navy hat, which is great. You're supporting the troops, but it's also sending a message that you're not supporting your players because like you do still have to coach them in this game and everything you're doing just screams. I don't care about this game or anything that happens in it. And then on the other side, there's a Southern Miss team that got off to a terrible start this year, but kind of was forced because of injuries to go to Frank Gore Jr. at quarterback and has been awesome ever since doing it. It's been a brilliant offense. They've been fantastic. They've won a couple games straight doing it. They look really good. They're going up against this FIU team. I'm taking it here on the show at minus 10, but I'm telling you, if you could find alt lines, I would go up to minus 20 and a half. I just think that this Panthers team is just, they're going to get behind and they're going to check out because this is the last game of their season and they're just done. Wow. I love it. Like that That's a great call. And
1: two things. First, what can the Frank Gore family not do? All right. Oh. They're, they're just talented in everything and longevity. I mean, I, I can't wait to watch his 39 year NFL career. <laughs> and then two really quickly. I'm glad that you said when you were talking about, you know, teams that have quit. Uh, I do have to make a, uh, a mention of last week. Uh someone in the chat said that uh they had a family member for Tulane that it quit. <laughs> Tulane won by six thousand points on Saturday. Yeah. So yeah, we yeah. noticed that one. We're gonna have to And uh, they, they really did. I was like, okay, Tulane did not quit. At
2: hey, all. everybody gets burned by a source from time to time, but I'll tell you what, that was some bad information. <laughs> what we what
3: what what our hot tipster didn't tell us was that the relative on the team who quit was the fourth string punter, so it really didn't <laughs> matter. <laughs>
1: Oh, man, dude, that's so funny, man. I was laughing. I couldn't wait to bring that up. Uh, Okay. All right, Chip, I'm going to come back to you. Clemson minus 11 at South Carolina.
2: Yeah, I mean, this Tigers team starting to play with a little bit of confidence. It's like so different just to be able to get out there and have success. Like, Literally, success like half of the distance for a first down on without having to go backwards or have every first down be like a two yard gain. Um, they really, you know, found a little bit of an offensive identity with the run game. And while Wake Forest, I will admit, is going to make any offense look a little bit better than average, I think that for this South Carolina rivalry for a Clemson team that's needed something to get focused on, I think they'll come out. And, uh, and try and flex their muscles. The Gamecocks have, have been great this season. Uh, I just think that this is where that talent that has been on Clemson's power rating is is, is finally going to show up. They don't have much depth, and they don't have a lot of their best players, but it's still a super talented roster, especially compared to South Carolina.
0: Pretty good coach, too. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah you know what? And speaking of that, I did notice that uh, Beamer for South Carolina was playing the under the underdog coach speak of the other team played it to a T, saying Dabo deserved coach of the year honors that they've he he's made a fantastic season out of a mess. When I was read that, I was like, nice job. That's what you do. That's exactly what that's a Belichick move, man. He's been doing that for years. So I did notice that one, but all right. Clemson minus 11 there. All right, Tom coming back to you, buddy Navy minus 12 and a half at temple
3: yeah another quit watch uh the owls started the year three and two okay and then they lost a game and got completely waxed by cincinnati 52 to three which happens cincinnati's the best team in your conference they might be in the playoff you could forgive it but the week after that since the the owls went on the road to face a usf team that was terrible up to that point and they lost 34 to 14 and it was that moment when temple realized it sucked (laughs) And his temple has played since because in the game since then, it lost to UCF 49 to 7. It lost to ECU 45 to 3. It lost to Houston 37 to 8. And last week, it was down 27 to nothing at halftime against Tulsa before losing 44 to 10. This team's done. There are players in the transfer portal. Everybody is worried about what they're going to be doing next year. There's a very good chance that Rod Carey, the coach, is going to be fired at the end of the season. And now, who do they have to face? An option team. You could want to play football and you do not want to face an option team. It is three hours of giant offensive linemen diving into your knees. It is not fun. This is a team that doesn't want to be there to begin with and is going to have to deal with this option offense all day. They're going to quit. They're going to get behind early, and they're just going to stop and want the game to be over with. They're not going to do anything, and this is a similar situation to Southern Miss. Find an alt line. I'm taking it here on the show at 12 and a half. Same situation. If you could find, like, a Navy minus 20 and a half, do it, because this is going to be a blowout, because once Navy gets that lead, Temple's not going to want to bother trying to keep up. They're just going to wait, watch the clock and wait till they can go home and go be with their families.
2: Man, next this year uh, let's let's make sure that we've got a quit watch sounder. <laughs> oh God, yes, absolutely. Quit I was, watch. <laughs> I was just about to say, I think this is my
1: favorite week of Tom picks ever because absolutely, like you're breaking it down perfectly, and you're right. Like facing an option team at any point, be other than week one, sucks. I mean, I even, mean even in like high last week
3: yeah like when you're playing in high school and you're facing an option team it was miserable so now you're doing it at like the college level where they're much bigger and stronger than most of the teams you face in high school it's just it's like oh god and it's the
1: navy you're like these guys run
3: for a living like uh, all the
1: time they're not gonna stop yeah god you're right man that's a great call that's a good eye there all right chip coming back to you before we get to our big games of the weekend and i have to say uh This has been the most official picks that we have on the big game. So we've got plenty more coming for you. But, Chip, wrap us up here on this. Wisconsin minus six and a half at Minnesota.
2: Yeah, two years ago, Minnesota had a chance to um, win the Big Ten West and go play for a Big Ten championship. And this game just ended up being that last little hurdle that P.J. Fleck it ended up being the choppy waters that P.J. Flett couldn't <laughs> row the boat through. Um, I think that, and it was like a snowstorm, and that was a Tanner Morgan team-led like led offense where you had to throw the ball around to Shad Bateman and Tyler Johnson. Like Weather played a huge factor in it. I remember being very disappointed. But I do think that in this rivalry, there is a little bit of a um, you know, under-the-radar aspect to how important it is to Minnesota to win this game and how affirming it would be for their place in the general Big Ten picture. I mean, this is a program that wants to be competing for Big Ten championships and knows that it's not quite there yet. I think that this is a, a game where Wisconsin is able to just, you know, keep Minnesota at a, at arm's length. And Minnesota might try and, and and punch a little bit, but it's actually just, you know, being held at arm's length by Wisconsin team that has been playing its best football of the season here late in the year. So uh, I like them to cover,
1: like fighting your little brother in the front yard. Like just you could just keep them just right there, arm's length. Like it. All right, let's get into our big games for the weekend here. And like I said, we've got I believe we've got at least one official play on every single one of them. So our first game that we're going to break down: the Egg Bowl, Thursday, Ole Miss at Mississippi State. Now we seen some line movement in this game yesterday. Uh, yesterday morning, Tuesday morning, uh, Ole Miss was a one point favorite. We now sit Mississippi State a one and a half point favorite at home. A total of sixty two. Uh, i tell you what, Chip, I'm going to come to you. You've got an official play on this one. You like Mississippi State minus one and a half.
2: I'm telling you, it's all vibes. There's no way that Lane Kiffin could play that flowery, nice guy attitude at the press conference talking about Mississippi State and how it's not healthy to hate anybody. <laughs> I think in Mississippi it's pretty healthy to hate somebody, especially <laughs> if it's in the Egg Bowl rivalry. Like I'm, listen, there's not a lot of health decisions in any state you know, that, that aren't all in line with whatever's healthy. I mean, congrats to Lane Kiffin for being in a healthy place. I'm very happy for him, but I, I don't know. I just, I think that Mississippi state and uh, is in a really good spot to pull off one of those wins. I mean, we know how these yeah. games go. Like I, there's a reason why the cliche is throw the record books out. And I, um, I do actually like the cliche because I always like to imagine like, what if you actually still had the record books, and you had to throw them out and you had to throw it out now would you throw it out of a like a uh, would it be
1: a building window would it be like a team bus window
2: i don't like, know if you've ever been to like a media days but they do actually have the record books and they're freaking huge yeah. <laughs> the schools put yeah. out those massive massive record books and that's what i'm saying i, I want to see them start throwing record books out the windows of the press box because you got to throw the record books out no I mean, listen home team the line movement's fishy don't like the old Miss vibes. I mean, what do they got to play for? What's Mississippi State got to play for? I, I like the Bulldogs here.
1: There we go. Micah, coming to you, not an official play, but you like Mississippi State minus one and a half as well.
0: Yeah, I do. And they've covered the last three times they've met. Uh, Mississippi on the road this season, only one and two. I don't like the fact that Mississippi State has no run game, but Will Rogers Uh, I'm surprised he did not get more talk or consideration over the Heisman. In fact, I saw Circa's odds. They had uh, the top two quarterbacks, uh, Young and Stroud, as the favorites. Then they had Corral at 20-1. to I'm like, wait, Will Rogers has better numbers in him, better completion, more touchdowns, and he's going to probably win this game. He's a Mississippi boy, right? He's not one of those California kids. This is going to be a spot where I think he shines and he gets his name out there more prominently nationally. It's over for the Heisman, but this is his moment. I think he's going to, uh, I think he's going to win the game and uh, cover and, um, you know, have a good day. There we go.
1: Down, Tom, I'm coming to you. You like the other side, Ole Miss plus one and a
3: half. Lane, you sandbagging SOB. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, yeah. Of course, Lane's out here talking about how, oh, I just want to be friendly with everybody. He's going to kill them. He's going to try to kill them. And also, I can't help but think of how Mike Leach approached the Apple Cup when he was at Washington State. Not a big deal to him these rivalry games, just looks at them as if they're any other game. Meanwhile, Washington at the time was just completely crushing them every year because they took it seriously. Ole Miss is going to take this game seriously. It's the Egg Bowl. No, they can't win the West. They can't win the SEC. They can't get to the playoff. But they can win the Egg Bowl and dominate the state for another year. And I think that we've seen in the last few weeks, you know, they've had mostly winnable games where they didn't really have to put everything out there. They were able to rest Matt Corral up a little bit. He'll be back for this game. It's the what Egg if he's Bowl. he's not? He'll be back for what this if game.
2: What if Matt Crow's like, ah, you know what? Listen, y'all, this has been nice, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and shut this thing down and uh, go get ready for the NFL draft. You
3: don't, you don't do that for the egg bowl chip. This is, this is the biggest game in that state. This is like, you know, there are people arrested arguing over this game every single year. Max. It's, Ole Miss is far and away the better team. I, th- I think Mississippi State's a good team, don't get me wrong, but I think that Ole Miss's ceiling is so much higher than what this Mississippi State team is capable of. And you are going to see everything that Lane didn't have to pull out of the bag during the regular season up until this point thrown at the Bulldogs on Thursday. You're going to be sitting there eating your pecan pie, watching the Rebels rolling past the Bulldogs. Take the points. Hell, take the money line. Hey, so, uh, if,
2: I, if If it does play out like that, then I'll be hilariously wrong, which, like we said, is the best way to be wrong.
3: <laughs> yeah. It
2: is. All right. Question
1: So, Matt Corral and the Heisman, is that a possibility? Is he in the room to win?
0: No, I don't think so. He's just yeah. 20 to one. He's the third guy after. I'm just saying in the room. Days. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Sorry, Mike. Can say, you said 20 to one?
0: 20 to one. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. I was just wondering how this game might, you know, affect that. If in terms of it would, you know, help get him possibly in that room. But yeah, if not, All right. Next game here, Oklahoma at Oklahoma state. We've got Oklahoma state, a four point favorite, a total of 50. We've got two official plays here. Micah, I'm going to come to you first. You like Oklahoma plus four.
0: I do. And I think they feel that they have a shot to win here and then win next week to see what happens. Um, You know, this is a spot. The pressure's off Oklahoma. This is a spot where Oklahoma state now has to succeed. And I don't know that they can do that with Sanders. Great defense. Been great all season, covering all season, winning close games. They're battle-tested for sure, but this is a lot of weight. They're going to say you got to win two games to get past Cincinnati, maybe, if Cincinnati doesn't lose, to get a shot in. And I don't know if they're ready for that. I think Oklahoma's going to go in there and do what they usually do to Oklahoma State, win and cover. And uh, what else? I had some other notes on this. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, just, you know, after Oklahoma lost to Baylor a couple weeks ago, I just think that was the relief was off, them. now it's on Oklahoma State, and I think the pressure here is going to help Oklahoma uh, win, all as right, they used well, to
1: do. I'll say this, Chip, you agree with them and you got an official play on this game as well, Oklahoma plus four.
2: Yeah, all the people that are uh, watching live, and maybe if you guys want to play along too, just uh, open up a new tab and just uh, enter Bedlam Series Wiki because it's a great uh, visual representation of the ass beatings that take place when Oklahoma and Oklahoma state play, because it just lines up all of this crimson. And then every now and then you get a little splatter of orange Uh, Lincoln Riley in his short time, as the Sooners head coach has more wins in this rivalry than Mike Gundy, who has been the head coach for like 15 years, at least Um, I just, if you're going to give me four whole points with the Sooners in a rivalry that they have dominated, I will gladly take those points, especially if the you know totals to be believed it's going to be a low-scoring game. So Oklahoma ain't getting blown out by Oklahoma State. That's for sure.
1: All right. All right. Now, Tom, coming to you, this isn't an official play, but you lean towards the under of 50 in it.
3: Yeah, if I was betting the spread, I would be with both of you gentlemen on the Oklahoma side, but I'd rather be on the Oklahoma money line than the spread. But as far I as the total
2: like value yeah, play?
3: Yeah, I just think there's more value on that because I feel like Oklahoma either wins wins or loses by double figures. You know what I mean? I just think that's the way it plays out more than anything. But nice. I I like the under simply because, like, the one reason I do kind of worry about the Sooners in this game is that offensively, all season long, they just have never really found that fifth gear. Like, that extra, we are Oklahoma, we could put up 60 points on anybody. Like, early in the season, it was like, all right, it's early in the year, they'll figure it out. Then it's like, nope, it's Spencer Rattler. They'll make the switch to Caleb Williams. That'll fix it. Nope, that didn't fix it. Okay, the bye week. This is when they're going to fix their... No, op- no, nope, nope. They're still kind of just stodgy. They, they have good moments, but they're not very consistent. So <clears throat> now they're going up against a really good Oklahoma State defense that has been phenomenal all season long and that I think is capable of limiting what they can do because they really just don't have the explosive receivers that we're used to seeing You know, them send to the NFL on a regular basis th- this year. And I think on the other side, this is an Oklahoma State offense that while it's improved over the last month, is still not anything I would consider an overly explosive offense and I think this is going to be more of like a big tennis kind of game than what you come to expect from Bedlam over the years where you know like we've joked about Oklahoma either wins by a little or wins by a lot but they're usually all high scoring games I don't think this one's going to be I think this is like a 24 to 20 kind of game hey is this is this the last game in Stillwater for Bedlam I mean is this This is it, isn't it? I I don't know if that's official, but based on what you're hearing about how quickly this timeline is going to move, probably, yeah. Yeah. Wow.
0: Wow. So one more more time to go into Stillwater and (laughs) and kick some tail. I love it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) All right, moving on to our next game. We got the Iron Bowl here, boys. And uh, I do want to say this is going to be (sighs) – These games are always crazy, right? Like, I I can't predict what's going to happen. That's why you guys are here. But we've got Alabama on the road, a a 19-and-a-half-point favorite, all right, a total of 56. All right, Chip, I'm going to come to you first, buddy. You like Auburn plus 19-and-a-half.
2: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Easy on like. (laughs) You know? Like, you ask for picks for the big games, and as – somebody who offers picks, like just, you know, insert a coin, press a button, I give you a pick. Like I, I will tell you Auburn plus 19 and a half. Cause that's too many daggum points for Jordan Hare stadium in the iron bowl. Like just as a matter of principle, I don't know how it ends up happening. I will say that one of the paths to it is that Alabama's defense has been a little bit leaky and uh, the way that Arkansas was able to move the ball uh, against the crimson tide, obviously has Alabama fans very concerned heading into SEC championship, you know, potential college football playoff games. So that is one path, I think, to to that happening. I just it's too many dagging points for the Iron Bowl. Yeah. My lean again, I don't like Auburn, but my lean <laughs> is Auburn. So
1: I, I agree with you on that. Now let me say, you know, you know those um like, you go to, uh, like, uh, uh, an old general store or something on, like, Route 66, and they got those old machines where you put in a quarter and it gives you, uh, you know, kind of your your fortune, right? Like, you could, you know, you could get – I guarantee you, in the offseason, I'm going to build a Chip Patterson, put in a quarter, get a pick. We are going to have that for next year on the show. I <laughs> yeah. guarantee you on that. That is going to happen.
2: <laughs> and then you can just set up a camera on that. How she, we'll print the cards? Hey, boom. Everybody gonna, wins.
1: Yeah, like that's going to be our control here. Like as we go along like each week, like what is what is the chip robot? What does it pick? All right, Tom, coming to you, buddy. Uh, okay, uh, you know what? I won't use the word like, uh, but you follow along with uh, Chip in terms of Auburn plus 19 and
3: I'm fond of Auburn plus 19 and a half in this spot. <laughs> There's, You know, like since Nick Saban took over at Alabama there have definitely been some blowouts in Alabama's favor in this game it's just there's a trend when you look at it in that those blowouts take place in Tuscaloosa when the games at Jordan Hare in Auburn it tends to be close like the last time it was a three-point Auburn win Before that it was a 12-point Auburn win and there was a 16-point Alabama win a six-point Auburn win and so on and so forth there's not a lot of blowouts no matter who wins either way and as I just said Auburn won three of them outright. I don't think Auburn's going to win this one, but I also don't think the drop off from Bo Nix to TJ Finley is that noticeable no. as far as the point spread is concerned. I, I've dogged Knicks for the last few years. And while I don't think Finley's anything special, I think that he's pretty much of the same caliber as Knicks. And I also think Finley's smarter about taking care of the football than Bo Knicks is, which I think maybe helps Auburn a little bit in this matchup, especially against an Alabama defense that to be blunt has not been nearly as good as the Alabama defenses we've come to expect in recent years. Will Anderson is awesome. He's made a ton of plays, got a lot of sacks, a lot of tackles for losses. And when he's not getting a sack or a tackle for a loss, The Alabama secondary is getting cooked, and I think that we could see some of that here. I think that defensively, Auburn is not going to stop Alabama, but I think it matches up well enough in the trenches to where it could have some success. I think Alabama wins. I do not think Alabama fans are ever really going to break a sweat, but this strikes me as more of a 14-point win than a three-touchdown win, so I'm going to take Auburn in the points.
1: Yeah, I feel you there. And Alabama's been a tough team to uh, to kind of cap each week. Uh, look at last week against Arkansas; like that, that was a tight game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a tight game. You know what I mean? So yeah, they, they they've been tough. Now, Micah, coming to you, mm-hmm. you got an official play, baby, and you're going with the you're going with the Alabama Crimson Tide minus nine. old Tide.
0: Roll time. This is a spot here. They're gonna take care of the, the the quarterback, the young guy. The kid came in 6'7, 250, big kid transfer from LSU. I didn't even have him on my sheet uh when doing last week's games. Um the thing about he says he came in and he didn't even know anything about the Aaron Bowl, So he's going to learn real quick about Alabama and the, the history of this. And the history has been favorable for Auburn. They have won the last two meetings there. They've covered two of the last eight meetings there. The home team's 4-0 in the last four. You got all the stats telling you that Auburn at home is going to be this. But I'm sorry, Finley, he had a chance to really do some good things against South Carolina and did not. That was a horrible. Horrible game for him there. So I don't expect much different here. And the final uh, the motion for me to take Alabama here was the little extra uh, Heisman race. You've got the uh, young. He's no longer the favorite anymore. He's plus 175. Stroud is minus 220 over at Circus Sports. So he's got a little... Uh, polishing of his resume to do in this game. His last two games, five touchdowns, no interceptions. I think I expect something like that and for him to do it on the road to get a little more uh, positive votes in the Heisman voting. And He's still got one more game against Georgia. so He's a uh, live dog here. I know I said a couple of weeks ago that I said uh, Stroud and Walker were my favorites, but I think if he wins here and uh, has a good game against Georgia, I think, uh, I don't know, we've never had a tie, but that would They're going to be right there, neck and neck. So it'll be a shame for one of them to lose. So that is my uh, final uh, uh, analysis on why I like Alabama. I just think uh, Young's going to have a great game. There we go. And we're going to talk
1: about his uh, Heisman counterpart here in just a minute. But first, we're going to talk Oregon State at Oregon. Oregon is a seven-point favorite at home, a total of 61. Tell you what, Mike, I'm going to come back to you because you've got an official play on this game as well. You like the Ducks minus seven.
0: Yeah, and I do because there's no pressure anymore. It's over. It's like they were waiting all season, didn't cover games, played every game close. It was just way, you know, Pac-12, can we really get there? Yeah, keep winning, keep winning. We don't cover. We barely lose. And then then the loss. So now it's over. It's all done. They don't have to worry about anything. They can just play loose, and they're playing a terrible road team. I know Oregon State has covered a bunch. they got some great numbers. Uh, 10 and 1, their last 11 games on the road against the spread. But this is so low now. This is manageable for me. I think Oregon can get there. And uh what else? So the last one there. So just the problems, one and a f- four away, uh bad spot for them. And the Beavers, uh, whew, they got a lot of really good numbers here. And that's what I, I mean. I saw the low number and I'm like, wow, they've got this five and one, and one, their last seven games in Eugene. But it just comes down to me with the pressure and the momentum here, they're gonna be able to handle Oregon State here. Uh, like they normally do. And Eugene just don't have the big number that they normally do. Tom, you've got kind
1: of a correlated play with this. Uh, You like, or I'm sorry, you are fond of the under 61.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I don't have a great feel for how this one's going to go. I'm probably going to wait till this one starts and maybe fire some live bets on it. If anything like strikes me, but my fear here is I, I'm going to be really interested in seeing how Oregon responds because I, don't i'm not nearly as confident that this is going to be like oh we're finally free you know it's (laughs) i i think it's i think there could be a chance where you look at a lot of the players on that team you know now that they don't have anything really to play for i i i fear there could be a letdown but this is a rivalry game so probably not i just think that the total is the safer side to split bet here because I do think that defensively this is an Oregon team that is still very strong and Oregon State's offense is good but it's offensive line I worry about it against this Oregon front seven particularly Kevon Thibodeau and I think that that could cause problems for them and I think defensively Oregon matches up or Oregon State's defense is not great but Oregon is not explosive through the air and I think that if you allow Oregon State to just kind of focus on trying to slow down the run game they could be far more effective than they have most of the season so I think this is going to be lower scoring again I don't love any side of this I'm just my gut feeling is this is going to be a 60s just seems kind of high yeah
1: well Chip you know uh, expand upon that because you're looking more at uh, Oregon State plus seven
2: yeah absolutely Jonathan Smith's team's pretty good football team. They can, they can hang in this game. This is a a ticket, not an official play, but this is a (laughs) ticket that you'd enjoy riding and you might have your heart broken. You might walk out with the push, but you give me uh, one of the better Oregon state teams that we've had in recent years. And an Oregon team coming off a, listen, we talk about body blow with teams like Georgia, Utah whips your ass. Like that, there could be some real body blow for Oregon as well. So um, I, if I could see Oregon because of uh, not really being explosive, ended up winning this game by three, four points like that. So I like a whole plus seven for the Beavers.
1: Well, I'll say this. You guys called that out weeks ago on this show uh, in terms of Utah that they, uh, Tom, I think you said it verbatim that they go looking for a fight and then they finish the fight. And I'm telling you that was in my head uh, last week when I was betting Utah uh, before the game against Oregon, and I mean, they just they came right out, you know, and, and just just beat the hell out of them, man like that. That's that's a good football team. That's a really good
2: mm-hmm. football team.
3: Yeah, I mean, nobody right.
2: wants to play Utah right now. No, no, if, God no.
3: Is, if this if we had the twelve team playoff right now, and Utah had a real shot of getting in it, that would be the last team. Like if you're one of the top four teams, and you got to play like a eight or like a ten or eleven seed Utah, that would just no, you do not want that at the moment.
2: That's one thing I do like about college football playoff expansion, because this is the first year that we've gone into a season and actually had an idea of what expansion might look like. And so being able to have that fictional bracket in your head is like easy to get excited about because then we really are concerned about where Utah lands. And it's like one of the four big talking points from the bracket reveal. And then, you know, the the entire nation at large gets to learn about this awesome uh, football team out in Salt Lake city.
1: Yep. Yeah, you're exactly right. All right, next game, Penn State minus one at Michigan State. James Franklin, the new 10-year man over there at Penn State. Nice new contract for him. Uh, We'll see. Did, uh, Did our man at Michigan State, did he sign that contract?
3: Uh it's not official yet. We don't know. They might I mean
2: he might have signed it. They're just they're going to wait gonna, a while to yeah, announce. Yeah, they're it. just not going to announce it right now.
3: <laughs> yeah. I was
2: laughing like midway through the first
1: quarter. I was like, "I hope he brought a pen with him to this game and inked <laughs> that thing." Uh we got Penn State minus 1 at Michigan State, a total of 51 and a half. No official plays uh on this game. Tom, I'll start with you. You like the under 51 and a half here?
3: Yeah, this is this is a family show, so I'll just say that you know I, I fear this game could be a poop show. Like I I don't <laughs> offensively, Penn State has been an absolute mess. I don't want to rely on it to score points. And for Michigan State, like this is a team that is just kind of falling apart as we get to the end of the season. Like you looked at how they began the year; they were they were on fire to start the season. They were winning big games. They beat Miami. They beat Michigan. They're looking fantastic, and then. They just kind of started to unravel. They've lost momentum. Like some teams peak late in the season, some peak early in the season. And I think this is a Michigan State team that, kind of like Wake Forest and the ACC, peaked early in the season, has been somewhat found out by opponents. And they're able to take advantage of it. And I think that offensively, Kenneth Walker has been the Michigan State offense for the most part. He was banged up last week. I don't know what kind of condition he's going to be in for this game. But this is a Penn State defense that was for a week after they lost their defensive tackle, P.J. Mustaford, for an injury, they got completely gashed by an Illinois offense that ran all over them. But since then, they've done pretty well against the run. And I think that they could at least keep Walker limited if he's able to play even if it is, I don't think Michigan state's going to put up a ton of points. I don't think Penn state's capable of putting up a lot of points. So this just has the feeling of two teams who kind of just want the season to be over, to move on with their lives and start getting ready for next year, just doing as little as possible and making sure nobody gets hurt. So give me the under chip. You agree on the under.
2: Yeah. I, I, you don't want any part of this game. Like it's just, um, it is two teams as Tom said, that have had good seasons, the kind of seasons that when you go to the awards banquet, that's not an awkward feeling. There's an excited feeling. You know, the the players, the coaches, everyone understands we're going in the same direction. Like, what what have the narratives been at both these programs? How their head coaches are committed. And that means all the young guys on the program are excited. And that's great. But like Tom said, we're also just trying not to get hurt. And if any of those minor injuries at this point in the season, while the big 10 East is getting decided over in Ann Arbor in East Lansing, it's a little bit more like, Ooh, no, I just, you know what? I'm just going to sit this one out. So I I'm with Tom. I could see it almost having a spring game feel, you know, like they really just are going to run basic sets and give some young guys some burn at a high level against talented players. Uh, You don't want any side of this, which is why it's such a close spread. Like, there's just too many variables in the way this game goes and so I I like the under more than anything
3: yeah it's it's yeah. crazy to think like Michigan State can win this game and be 10 and two and they'll still consider it a disappointing season because of the way things started
2: well also because of what happened last week yeah, yeah. So like, I mean it's just like
3: like as time passes they'll look back and say that was a tremendous season but in the moment they're gonna be like oh 10 and two wow great.
1: Yeah. First off, it's crazy. I mean, you're exactly right in terms of that second, you know, that old cliche, like taking the wind out of the sails like that was a nuclear bomb uh, against the entire boat. Right. I I mean, legitimately. And it's crazy. I mean, you know, that you say that, you know, 10 and two and they're not happy about the season. Yeah, (laughs) it's wild, man. It's absolutely wild. Micah coming to you, buddy. You like Michigan State plus one here. And I think I agree with you. I hate spreads of one. Mm-hmm. But usually I take the plus one here. You like Michigan State.
0: Yeah. And the the number's correct. I have Penn State because of their defensive metrics, uh, five points better on a neutral field than Michigan State. But I like Michigan State here because of, I don't know, there's just a the momentum. You know, Penn State had between last year and coming into this year, a nine-game winning streak. And then every time they played somebody decent in the conference, it was Michigan, Illinois. Uh, who else did they lose to? Iowa. And uh, what was the other one? Uh, Iowa, Illinois, Ohio State. Okay, mm-hmm. but then they beat Maryland and Rutgers after that, and they have just offensively nothing there. So, I the thing that worries me about Kenneth Walker here, I look at a couple of games he struggled to rush against Nebraska, the other one was against um. Ohio State last week, not a good game. The bounce back here worries me. But I think at home, they've won all all their games. They're 3-0-2. They've had a couple pushes there as well. I think the home edge coming back, the fans will forgive them. They always do, losing to Ohio State to come back. And they need a little home cooking and a home loving and feel like they still matter despite losing to the Mighty Buckeyes. So I think they're going to get it here and uh, be able to win a close game. They don't have to cover. They just need to win.
1: There we go. Little time always does everybody well. All right, our final game. Now, I also want to say this really quickly. Usually, we play uh, during these games uh, pick which play each capper has. There's a reason that we're not doing it this week because we have conference championships coming up and I have some really, really, really nice gifts that we are going to give out courtesy of each one of these guys. So, we're just going to have to hold off for one week not doing it, but Some really nice things that will be coming your way. So we won't do it here, but I promise you, I will make it up to you. In terms of that, you'll like what we have. All right, so our final game. We've got Ohio State minus eight at Michigan, a total of 64 and a half. Micah, I'll come to you. you. You've got an official play on this. You like Michigan plus eight.
0: I do, but, you know, this is uh, Harbaugh. He's got to make something happen here. He's got to be able to go into Ohio someday and be able to accrue to Mr. Ohio football, and that hasn't happened since the highs of Charles Woodson. He also got Gerbeck. He also got uh, Desmond Howard. That hasn't happened lately because you don't win. you got to win this game. This is it. This is his whole career. In fact, his legacy, I mean, as great as he's been everywhere else in his career, this is it, and it'll always say, never beat Ohio state. And that's a horrible thing. And so the kids got to somehow re- rally around this rally around their coach that promised them that they were going to beat Ohio state and all the seniors haven't beat Ohio state ever. I mean, this is, this is one of those things that's it's like they got to really show some grit and some guts. The last time they won, that was uh, Michigan, 2011, Denard Robinson, remember him, he had uh, three touchdown passes Two touchdowns rushing, 170 yards. Boom, Heron didn't do anything for the Buckeyes. Braxton Miller, that was five, ten years ago. That's crazy. So, a man shoelace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they got to they got to really dig deep and find something here. And this has been a good team. They've been uh, underrated all season long. They started uh, what they've gained like 15 points over the course of the season based on the great defense, a good running game, and Managing games well, the quarterback has done okay as well and come up big when they need him to throw the ball a few times. So uh, what are they, nine and two against the spread? That's good enough for me. The home crowd, they want it just as bad as everybody else. You know, it's hard beating Ohio State, obviously, but this is a spot. And Ohio State may be looking forward to the championship game and dismissing Michigan a little bit here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take the points with Michigan, and I also look at the over as well. I think they've gone over in this meeting, the last seven or eight meetings together, so it's just a natural over that goes on. Weather shouldn't be a problem, so I'm going to take the home team here and have the whole crowd behind me, and you know maybe they'll win.
1: (laughs) There we go. Now, Chip, coming to you, you like the under in this game, the under of 64.5.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) With the way that Michigan handles business, with the way that Michigan's going to approach this game, just trying to win at the line of scrimmage methodically over and over again, um, the lack of time that C.J. Stroud is going to have compared to what he's had against some of the other teams on his schedule with the Michigan pass rush, I just see it being one of those games where um, you, you enjoy every second of it, and it's seventeen to seven, you know, at halftime. You're going to throw something up in the sixties. I, I just don't see that being the case. If you think Michigan's going to make it a game, then you agree with me that it's going to be a little bit lower scoring. Because if Ohio State wins, it means Ohio State got everything cooking, and it was another one of those situations like the sixty burger a couple years ago, where very early in the game. The Buckeyes realize that uh, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Jackson Smithing and Jigba on crossing routes is unbeatable, and you know what they're going to do? They're not going to stop. So, <laughs> I I really see this being a situation where it's more of the former, where Michigan is competitive, where Ohio State comes up short in some red zone opportunities. You know, ends up kicking field goals, maybe one or two of those misses, and uh, and even though the Buckeyes move the ball consistently, uh, they can't put the touchdowns in to take this over the total.
1: Yeah. It seems like a game that Michigan does not want to get in a shootout. Like they All want right. to control the ball. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Tom, I say that coming to you, you like Ohio state might here. Well.
3: Yeah. Let's go back in time to 2016. JT Barrett was either stopped short of that first down or he got the first down, depending on who you ask. The refs said he got it that day. The very next play Curtis Samuel scores the walk-off game winning touchdown in double overtime. And we were like, oh my God, is this is what Ohio State, Michigan is going to be now that we're in the Urban Meyer, Jim Harbaugh era. Mm -hmm. And it hasn't been since. Like, if you look, Michigan kept it close, but the last few years, I think it, Ohio State's won the last 6 by an average of 18 points per game, and some of those have been a lot larger <laughs> scoring margins than that. <laughs> but I do think this is Michigan's best team of the Harbaugh era. I think this is a better team than that 2016 team was. I think that it's more well-balanced offensively. I think they can run and pass. Mm-hmm i think defensively they've got a terrific pass rush they've got a stronger secondary than they've had in years they're better equipped to deal with this ohio state team than they have been the last few years the problem is just because you're better equipped doesn't mean you can because this is an ohio state team that has an nfl quarterback has three nfl receivers it has a couple nfl running backs it has a few more nfl players on its offensive line It's a tremendous offense, and I don't think there are very many defenses in the country capable of slowing it down, especially now that we've seen the last few weeks when it flipped the switch against Purdue and it carried that into last week's game against Michigan State when it just absolutely buried them from the jump. I mean, it was 49 to nothing at halftime.
2: That's so stupid. It was the craziest 30 minutes of football that I think I've seen in a while. It's Mm -hmm. nuts.
3: And while I do think that they're not going to be able to do that this week because, again... Michigan's pass rush is going to give Ohio State and C.J. Stroud problems, and it's probably going to lead to him making a mistake or two. It's just I don't know if Michigan gets behind, and I expect that it will – I don't know how it keeps up like it's gonna have to get out of its comfort zone to keep pace with this ohio state offense and i just don't think they can so i'm rooting for this game to be close because like i said i think this is harbaugh's best team in a while and i think that they this is probably the most interesting ohio state michigan game we've had since that 2016 game when they were both ranked in the top five at the time just like they are this week I just think that the gap between Ohio state and everybody else in the big 10 is as large as it's been for a reason. And I don't think that's going to change this week. So I'm rooting for Michigan to keep it close, but my head and my money will be on Ohio state. Yeah. I feel you on that.
1: All right. Every last coach says grab your paper, grab your pencil. Pull up the scoreboard here. You know what? And it does look glorious. All right. Chip Patterson is on Mississippi State minus one and a half. East Carolina plus 14 and a half. Oklahoma plus four. Florida State, Florida under 59. Clemson minus 11. And Wisconsin minus six and a half. Tom Fernelli has Illinois minus six and a half. Southern Miss minus 10. Navy minus 12 and a half. Our man Michael Roberts is on Eastern Michigan plus nine. Michigan plus eight. Oklahoma plus four. Alabama minus 19 and a half. And Oregon minus seven. So as we always do, fellas, we really do appreciate you guys taking the time to join us. And we want to give you a second, you know, to plug what you're working on, what everybody needs to pay attention to this holiday weekend where they will have plenty of time with family sitting around and you want to kind of get away from them for a little bit. You guys have plenty of content to put out there for them. Uh, Tom, I'll start with you, man. What do you got going on, uh, this week, this weekend that everybody needs to pay attention
3: to? Well, I'll be working on Thanksgiving dinner at about this time tomorrow, but other than that, uh, cover three podcast like chip mentioned earlier in the show we already did the locks pod for this week because of the holiday but we will be back on saturday night around 11 p.m eastern ish depending on how the games go for our live reaction pod so of course you could check us out there and you can check us out all week anytime you want on the cover three podcast subscribe to it on youtube and wherever you get your podcasts do all that fun stuff also, you can read me online at cbsports.com. My picks column for both college football and the NFL will be coming out on Thursday. And I'll have my soccer picks available on Friday afternoon as well. So even though it's a holiday weekend, I'll still be there for you with my picks.
1: See, there we go. I mean, what more can you ask for? And I will say this, not often that I would speak for Tom here, but I feel comfortable doing it. Uh, when you're around family, we are not above you taking your cousin's phones, grandparents' phones, parents' phones. Just subscribe from all, uh, all of them. The phones, tablets, like pull that up. I'm telling you, we are not above that at all. Micah, you always work on pretty much every sport that we have here at Sportsline.com. What do you got coming this week, this weekend? What do you got?
0: Uh, lots of college basketball had a resounding win by Gonzaga last night against UCLA. They faced in the final four last season, much closer game, 20 point win by the Zags. They are as good as ever. And the continuity is there, despite some new players on the team. So uh, they are leading the charge again and deservedly so number one rank.
1: Yeah, I watched that game last night. Gonzaga is good because UCLA is good. Uh, and Gonzaga
2: handled their business, man. That is a good, good basketball team. Chip Patterson. What do you got, buddy? Happy Thanksgiving. Safe travels if it applies, and if not, just uh, sit back and enjoy the uh, the action from home. Uh, be safe in the uh, the kitchen. You know, don't 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 get brave. Okay, it's not the day <laughs> to be able to really push your limits. Tom is a professional here. I would trust him, but uh, but yeah, enjoy your Thanksgiving. Thanks for watching.
1: You fired out a lot of good t-shirt ideas. Don't get brave, like, with a picture of, like, a stove on fire. Like, I'm telling you, that's a million-dollar idea. But, no, seriously, from all of us, thank you all so much for tuning in every single week. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Have a happy holiday season throughout. Uh, time with your family. We really do appreciate you spending time with us. So for Tom, for Chip, for Micah, for everybody at Sportsline, everyone at CBS Sports, everyone at the Early Edge, we really do appreciate you. Thank you. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you in the morning. Everybody, good luck.